Hey everyone, I'm JR, and this is one of Mike's mini history lessons. The richest man to ever live. No, I'm not talking about Jeff Bezos or some sultan or king from the Middle East. I'm talking about the wealthiest person in history, Mansa Musa. Because before European colonization, Africa was a very rich continent, and Mansa Musa was the richest man ever. Musa became ruler of the Mali Empire in 1312, taking the throne after his predecessor, Abu Bakar II, for whom he'd served as a deputy, went missing on a voyage he took by sea to find the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. Musa's rule came at a time when European nations were struggling due to raging civil wars and lack of resources. During that period, the Mali Empire flourished thanks to ample natural resources like gold and salt. And under the rule of Musa, the prosperous empire grew to span a sizable portion of West Africa, from the Atlantic coast to the inland trading hub of Timbuktu and parts of the Sahara Desert. As the territory grew, so did the economic standing of its citizens. But it wasn't until 1324 that the world outside of Mali's borders would get a glimpse of the king's expansive wealth. A devout Muslim, Musa set off on a hajj, or pilgrimage to Mecca, the holiest city to Muslims, and Musa did not travel alone. The voyage, which was estimated to be about 4,000 miles, was traveled by Musa and a caravan that included tens of thousands of soldiers, slaves, and heralds, draped in Persian silk and carrying golden staffs. Although records of the exact number of people who participated in the voyage are scarce, the elaborate convoy that accompanied Musa marched alongside camels and horses carrying hundreds of pounds of gold. Of course, this spectacle was noticed by residents of the territories that Musa passed through. After all, a group so massive was impossible to overlook. Specifically, the impact the Malian emperor left on the Egyptian people would reverberate for more than a decade. Arriving in Cairo, Musa's character was put on full display during his reluctant encounter with Cairo's ruler, al-Malik al-Nazir. According to texts from the ancient historian Shihab al-Umari, Musa was greeted in Cairo by a subordinate of al-Nazir who invited him to meet with the fellow monarch. Musa politely declined the proposition, claiming that he was only passing through on his pilgrimage to Mecca. The reason why soon became clear to onlookers. A man named Emir Abu was chronicled as saying, I realized that the audience was repugnant to him because he would be obliged to kiss the ground in the sultan's hand. I continued to conjole him, and he continued to make excuses, but the sultan's protocol demanded that I should bring him to the royal presence, so I kept on until he agreed. The meeting grew contentious when Musa refused to kiss the feet of the sultan, and only turned calm after Musa elected to properly greet al-Nazir. Following a conversation between the two men, al-Nazir offered lodging to Musa and everyone accompanying him, and Musa, in turn, left a piece of his incomprehensible wealth in Egypt. From the markets of Cairo, to the royal offices, to the impoverished people that crossed his path throughout Egypt, Musa's generosity and purchase of foreign goods left the streets littered with gold, a resource that was greatly appreciated and in short supply. The people were thrilled, at least at first. Though well-intentioned, 
Musa's gift of gold actually depreciated the value of the other metals in Egypt, and the economy took a major hit. It took 12 years for the community to recover. But the king's trip wasn't all about giving. On his voyage, he acquired the territory of Gao within the Shanghai Kingdom, extending his territory to the southern edge of the Sahara Desert along the Niger River. He would go on to have an empire that spanned several territories, including current-day Senegal, Gambia, Guinea, Niger, Nigeria, Chad, and Mauritania, in addition to Mali. However, Gao would be of special importance to the king. This territory in today's Mali is where Musa would build one of the several mosques after completing his Hajj. Timbuktu was also an important city for the affluent king, who used his wealth to build schools, universities, libraries, and mosques. The burgeoning trading hub was where Musa commissioned the Jingareber Mosque, a famed place built of mud brick and wood that has stood the test of time, remaining active for more than 500 years. Word of Musa's wealth and influence only spread beyond Africa after his voyage to Mecca. Tales of his enormous convoy and generosity continued to be passed on long after his death, which is believed to have taken place sometime between 1332 and 1337. By the late 14th century, Musa had been drawn in the 1375 Catalan Atlas, an important resource for navigators of medieval Europe, created by Spanish cartographer Abraham Crescis. The atlas depicted Musa sitting on a throne with a gold scepter, a crown, holding a gold nugget. From the abundance of natural resources he cultivated to the growth and development of communities that he left behind, Musa was a legend that could give the fictional people of Wakanda a run for their money. As far as wealth goes, it's nearly impossible to quantify the riches that Musa had during his lifetime. University of Michigan Associate History Professor Rudolf Ware explained in an interview that the vastness of Musa's land and the material holdings seem downright incomprehensible today. Imagine as much gold as you think a human being could possess and double it. That's what the accounts are trying to communicate. This is the richest guy anyone has ever seen. Or at least that's the lesson you would get if Mike was your history teacher. 